Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Psalm 23. This will be our text for the entire series. We'll read the whole chapter this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Praise the Lord for that. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're going to take our subject this morning out of Verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Somebody say, he is with me. Because he is with me, I have security. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you again. We've come to you all morning, but we could never come to you enough. God, we're asking you, to be with us in every moment today. Speak to us. Help our spirits to be in tune with what your spirit is saying. God, you are a good, good God. And you are God, and that all by yourself. There is no other God but you. And we thank you right now that you care for us the way you do. This morning we ask that you just speak, Lord, Your servants are listening. We want to know what you have to say to us. Let there be a lift in the house today. Let somebody's life be touched and changed. Let somebody's mind find peace. Let somebody's lost son or daughter come home. Let somebody's ailment or sickness be healed. God, we pray against any generational curse or generational spirit that might be up in this room trying to distract your people. We rebuke it now in the name of Jesus. We tell you, get out of here. You're not welcome here. We plead the blood of Jesus in this room. God, have your way. We give you praise and we give you glory in it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Can you give God one more hand praise? You may be seated. I want to start by encouraging somebody this morning. Keep walking. I'm going to say that again. Keep walking. Whatever you do, keep walking. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Keep moving forward. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't let up. Don't let that coworker that won't get your name out their mouth 
keep you from going forward. Keep walking. Keep moving forward. Don't give up. Don't let that family member that likes to belittle you all the time and never take you seriously cause you to quit. Keep walking. Look at your neighbor and tell him, keep walking. Somebody needs this this morning. Somebody is on the verge of giving up, and I came by to tell you, keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Psalm 27, and watch this, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered. Keep walking. God's on your side. He's with you. God is with you. And watch this. With every step you take, he's smiling down on you. Because he has ordered your steps. And because your steps are ordered, wherever you place your feet, that delights him. He delights in your way. He delights in the way you don't quit. He delights in the way that you don't give up. He delights in the way that you keep moving forward. He delights in the way that you call on his name. He delights in the way that you put him first. I can't get an amen in this Baptist church, but I know he delights in your way. He delights in your way. Somebody say, keep walking. Keep walking. Don't give up. Don't falter. He's with you. Proverbs 3 and verse 26. For the Lord shall be your your confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. In other words, he won't let you get tripped up because he's your confidence. You can walk with confidence because he's your confidence. Your confidence is not found in your ability. Your confidence is not found in your bank account. Your confidence is not found in your family members. Your confidence is not found in your friends. He is your confidence. And because you have that confidence, you can keep walking because you're not going to get tripped up. He is with you. Somebody say, keep walking. We walk by faith and not by sight. So stop worrying about what you see and stop worrying about the circumstance and stop worrying about who's talking about you and stop worrying about all the mess you're watching. He's with you. We walk by faith. Keep walking. No matter what, keep walking. Isaiah 40 encourages us. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint no matter what keep walking somebody say keep walking keep moving forward you might be feeling tired you might be feeling like giving out you might be saying this is too much for me this is too heavy a load don't worry God is with you there's a B12 shot about to hit your arm and he's about to push you forward you're not going to faint you're not going to faint You're not going to give out. Keep walking. Somebody say keep walking. Keep moving forward. No matter what, keep walking. David says in verse 4, Yea, though I walk, though I walk, here's the key word, ready? Through. I walk through. I walk through. And, you know, this is where people get stuck. This is where people get hung up. Is in this part right here, in this valley part. They kind of get stuck. See, David had a revelation. And he doesn't just come right out and give it to us. He kind of paints it. 
in this beautiful, vibrant picture of words, and he shows it to us. He had a revelation. He shows us green pastures. He shows us still waters. He shows us paths of righteousness. And he shows us that God is there. But he doesn't neglect to show us there's some valley seasons. He doesn't neglect to show us there's some dark times. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The revelation is this, that seasons are for the purpose of progress. Cycles are for the purpose of paralyzing purpose. Seasons are for the purpose of progress, but cycles are meant to paralyze purpose. What do you mean, Pastor Josh? Well, he said, lay down when I lay down in green pastures. And he leads me beside still water. And he leads me in paths of righteousness. But when he goes to this valley, he tells him, I walk through the valley. And this is where people get stuck. People get stuck in the valley. The valley isn't meant to stop. The shadow isn't the place to stop. That is the place to walk. If you're looking for a place to lay down... If you're looking for a place of rest, you need to be looking for green pastures. Seasons are meant for progress. Cycles are meant for the purpose or for paralyzing your purpose. So what happens is a lot of people get in these dark times and they find themselves in a cycle. Find themselves in a cycle. What's a generational curse? A generational curse is simply a cycle. It's simply a cycle. What do you mean? Uh, a generational curse would be like this. There's the example. We always use this example. It's a good one, so we'll just stick with it. Granddaddy was an alcoholic. Daddy was an alcoholic. So I'm an alcoholic. That's a generational curse. What that is is a cycle. See, cycles are tricky because when you get in a cycle, at the beginning, you kind of like it. You kind of like it. What you like about it is... Uh, first of all, you, you get some kind of selfish gr- self-gratification in the midst of the cycle, whatever it is. You get, you get some kind of self-gratification in the midst of that cycle. And, and then the next part is you go the second time and then you go the third time and now you're kind of getting used to this. And so what you like is the predictability of life now. You know what you can expect because you're in a cycle I might be on this end of the circle and moving away from it, but I know I'm going to come back to it. And so people get comfortable in these cycles. But if you're not careful in a cycle, two things happen. Number one, you experience burnout because at some point that cycle is going to get old. And you're going to have built a rut in the ground where you are walking in your spirit. Your spirit was walking in circles. In You were walking in your spirit in circles. You're caught in this cycle and it's etching out a, a, a rut in the ground of your spirit that's hard to get up out of. 
You stay in that cycle too long, the rut will end up above your head. And that's when you feel like you're underwater. You get caught in these cycles and you feel like you can't get out of them or you can't break out of them. At first it felt good. But somewhere along the way, you got stuck. Reminds me of, and, and I'm so, I, I really felt like the Lord confirmed with me the word this morning when you brought this up, Caleb. He talked about the woman with the issue of blood. Caleb did during worship. Do you remember the story? Jairus comes, he's a ruler of the synagogue, comes to Jesus, says, my daughter's dying. Right? My daughter's dying. She's 12 years old. And will you come heal her? And Jesus says, yes. So watch what Jesus is doing. Jesus is walking. Somebody say, keep walking. So Jesus is walking. And he's walking to Jairus' house. And along the way, here comes this woman who has an issue of blood. Now, I'm not going to get graphic, but I do want to explain something. A woman having an issue of blood is not uncommon. As a matter of fact, that's God's way of refreshing the reproductive system, and cleaning the woman. It's called a cycle. But what happened with this woman in particular is that the cycle didn't stop. Her cycle didn't stop. It kept going for 12 years. It never let up. And so she had to deal with all the things that came along with having that cycle, which was now she's considered unclean. Now she can't have a baby of her own. And interestingly, and, and I'll just drop this and leave it there, And when, when the cycle started for her, old Jairus' daughter was being born. I'll just leave that there. And that, that, that's good for a preacher sometimes. Right when the cycle started for her, Jairus' daughter was being born. And this intersection happened, and she has this cycle. And somewhere in herself, she didn't say, I want to touch the hem of his garment. What she was saying was, my progress has been halted. I haven't been able to move, but I see Jesus moving. I see progress coming close. And if I can connect my life to that progress, if I can connect my walk to his walk, this issue can be closed. And so she touches him. She connects her life to his progress and the cycle stops. Some people in this room been dealing with a cycle a long time. You've been in the cycle of addiction. You've been in the cycle, cycle of toxic relationships. You've been in the cycle of, of contentment. You've been in the cycle of que sera, sera life. That ain't going to cut it, baby. You need to get some progress up in your life. Somebody needs to reach out and touch Jesus this morning. Somebody say, keep walking. keep walking. Keep walking. So David shows us this revelation that there are seasons. And it's our responsibility to move through those seasons. Um, this isn't in my notes, but I'll just drop it. Be careful with people who seem to be bearing fruit all the time. Because what I learned in Oklahoma is there's this thing called seasons. And in some seasons, them trees are pretty bare. And the reason they are is so that they can get refreshed so that they can bear fruit again. 
Be careful with people that bear fruit all the time. They're headed for some kind of burnout in their life or, 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 or probably more accurately, they're full of it. God expects you to keep walking. Because he is with me, I have security. Psalm 23 and verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The first question we have to ask is, what is security? What is security? There are four basic human needs. Four basic, I guess they could be called psychological or emotional needs that all humans have. Number one is identity. Identity. Knowing who you are. Identity is knowing who you are. Second one is acceptance. Knowing you are loved. Knowing you are loved. Third one is purpose. Knowing why you are here. And the third one, or the fourth one is this, security. Knowing everything will be all right. Knowing everything will be all right. The root word for security is secure. What is security? Secure. Fixed so as not to give way or fastened to as not to become loose or lost. Fixed to so as not to give way or fastened to so as not to become loose or lost. When I read that definition, I couldn't help but think of Virgil loading the trailer with the tractor so that we could haul it to Anadarko and do what we got to do over there. So you have a, a truck and a trailer with a tractor on the trailer. And what has to happen is you have to have the proper straps to secure, there's the word, the tractor to the trailer so as that it is not loose. It is fixed now to the trailer. So when we go on the journey from point A to point B, there will be no damage that occurs. Number one, if it is loose, it could damage the trailer because of all the bouncing. It could damage the tractor because of all the bouncing. Or worse, the, trailer, the tractor could come off the trailer and cause damage to somebody else. Or even you. The point is, when you're secure, it eliminates the variables that you carry to cause damage. What is security? Root word is secure. Security is defined freedom from danger. Freedom from fear. Freedom from anxiety. And I just feel in my spirit there's some people in this room that are praying for some freedom from anxiety. They're praying for some freedom from depression. They're praying for some freedom from these things that seem to plague them. They're not unsure. They're, they don't feel safe. And they need some freedom from that feeling. Another word for security would be safe. 
Security is safety. Proverbs 18 and verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Safe. What is security? Security, we do want to talk about safety. But we also want to talk about security as it relates to you as a person. Security starts in childhood. Security starts in childhood. In most cases, a child who grows up with a sense of security will grow into a very stable and secure adult. I'll say that again. A child who grows up with a sense of security will grow into being a stable and secure adult. A child's security is found in the stability of their parents' relationship or the emotional stability of a single parent. A child's security is found in the peace and the structure of their home. Children feel secure when they know they are in an atmosphere of stability and love. Children feel secure when they know they're in an atmosphere of stability and love. Why, why is this relevant to what we're discussing? discussing? Because this is why your perspective of God is in direct relation to your perspective of your parents or the people that were in authority over you as a child. What I just said is you see God kind of like you see your daddy or you see God kind of like you see your mama. Or you see God kind of like you see your pastor when you were a kid. Because how you see him is that, that perspective is developed in you as a child. As a child. So watch this. If you don't see God as stable and loving, it is impossible for you to have any security wow. in your life. So if you only profess God as almighty... If you only profess God as your healer, if you only profess God as your salvation, but you are not living that and it is not firmly rooted in your faith, then that is not who God is to you. That's just a lot of hot air you blowing out. What is security? In order to understand what security is, you must understand what security is not. The opposite of security is insecurity. The opposite of security is insecurity. Security is a product of your identity. We're going to teach a little bit before we get back to preaching. Security is a product of identity. Identity is knowing who you are. It is hard to know everything's going to be all right when you don't even know who you are. We see an identity crisis in this generation. We see an identity crisis in this generation. What is an identity crisis? An identity crisis is simply this, a state of confusion regarding a person's nature and regarding a person's direction. That's an identity crisis. There's an identity crisis in this generation because young people are looking to parents. Young people are looking to families. Young people are looking to households. Young people are looking at their leaders. Young people are looking at their schools. 
Young people are looking at their churches and there's no clarity for them. There's no stability for them. Everything is confusing. Everything is a mess. There's mixed signals. There's no peace. It's all troubled. And so we have an identity crisis in this generation. What this results in is insecurity. And the result of an insecure generation is that they'll go looking for something that looks like it's getting a positive result and try to copy that. What young people like to do is they look to where there is a lot of social acceptance. What's the latest TikTok and how can I do that? What's the latest thing that gets the likes? What's the latest thing that'll get some traction going in the comment section? What's the thing that'll make people like looking at me? And they'll copy that. Don't get it wrong. It's not just young people. I see y'all. <laughs> Identity crisis. Or what will happen is they'll create an image that is crying out for help. Because they're having an identity crisis. That image is usually warped, distorted, and completely opposite from what they know is right. That's why it's easy for a little girl to say, no, I feel like a little boy. Because they're not getting what they need as a girl. So they figure if I can just switch to be a boy then maybe somebody will love me. And it seems like when you change from one gender to another, everybody likes to clap their hands for you. There's a lot of other examples. I'm just using that one. I'm just using that one. Or, or they'll find anything or anyone that will accept them, and then they start conforming to that. This is an identity crisis. This is an identity crisis. And what happens when you don't know who you are is you live an insecure life. Insecurity produces depression. Insecurity produces low self-esteem. Insecurity produces anxiety. Insecurity produces arrogance. Insecurity produces narcissism. And that's a word that's not talked about enough in our generation because there are way too many narcissistic people in this generation. Everything is about them. Bottom line is, I hate, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but it's not all about you. 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 When it's all about you, that's when you get stuck in a cycle. That's when you get caught running a cycle in the valley of the shadow of death because it's all about you. When you see these symptoms, you can always trace it back to insecurity. Today, we came to declare, because he is with me, I am secure. Let's say it together. Because he is with me, I am secure. I don't want to belabor the point, but I'm going to read this post. It's a Facebook post that Pastor Rick put out last week, and I thought it was awesome. In 2023, I'm free to be me. The best version of you comes from having the best vision of you. If you can see it, you can be it. Be careful not to get trapped in the performance mode of life. 
You are not here to compete with everybody else. I wish somebody would hear that right there. This ain't a competition. It ain't about who can have the nicest house. It ain't about who can have the nicest car. It ain't about who can get the most followers on social media. It ain't about all that. It ain't about all that. Everybody ain't a leader. I know they like to say that, and that's a controversial statement for me to make, but if everybody was a leader, we wouldn't have any followers. It'd be chaos. You are not here to compete with everybody else. I see this in ministry especially. Especially in this social media-driven generation, everybody is fighting for followers and likes. Preachers on social media look more like celebrities than they do pastors. So much hype and energy put into the brand. The purpose of a brand is to identify who it belongs to. The only brand you should be pushing is Jesus Christ. Lock into living God's pleasure more than your performance. Lock into living in God's pleasure more than your performance. Listen to him say this. This is my son and who I am well pleased. Here's what we need to get. You didn't earn it. You didn't qualify for it. And you don't deserve it. Just be the best you you can be. And that is what pleases him. Your search for significance ends when you hear him say, I am well pleased because you are my son. Rest and stop wrestling for fame and notoriety. 2023, free to be me. We could say amen and go home on that. So number one, first question is, what is security? Number two question is, what threatens security? In our text, David identifies two things. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Two things threaten security, shadows and fear. Shadows and fear. Let's start with shadows. What is a shadow? In the Hebrew, in this verse, it literally means this, to cause darkness or to become dark. Webster would say, it's a dark area or shape that's produced by something coming between rays of light and a surface. We can see shadows all across this stage today because a shadow is simply something that stands between light and a surface. It's an image of something that isn't real. It's an image of something, but the shadow isn't real. It takes on the shape of something, but the shadow isn't real. It's an image of something. The thing it's reflecting might be close, but it's not actually the thing. It represents something between you and light. It represents something between you and illumination. Light and illumination in scripture always represents revelation. What is revelation? Revelation is understanding something that's been right in front of you all along and you just realized it. Revelation is when you come to an understanding of something. When you come to an understanding of something, it can never be taken from you. 
Jesus said that when he was talking about his word being thrown on the wayside, someone on hard ground, someone in thorns. You remember the story, right? The parable that he told. Well, when it went into good ground, what he was saying is when the word goes into good ground, you gain understanding. When you gain understanding, that word can never be taken from you. So what happens with a shadow is it, the, the thing gets in between you and revelation. And it produces a shadow that you walk in or that you're in. I want to encourage somebody. Stop chasing the image. Stop chasing the image. Stop getting locked into the image. Stop getting locked into, stop chasing something that you feel like you don't have. If God didn't say it, you shouldn't be after it. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it's yours. Just because you enjoyed it doesn't mean that was destined for your life. Just because they had a good time doesn't mean you're going to have a good time. Stop chasing the image. Stop chasing the image. See, that's, that's the devil's trick. That's the devil's trick. He'd been doing that since the very beginning. He's been doing that from the very beginning. Genesis uh, 3, somewhere in there. Genesis 3. He tells, uh, he tells Adam and Eve, you know, if you eat it, you'll be like him. That's the trick. If you eat it, you'll be just like him. If you eat it, you'll be just like him. The problem is, in Genesis 1.27, it tells us very plainly. God says, let us make man in our own image. Let us make man and woman in our own image. In our image, we created them. Read the verse for yourself. What they didn't realize when they ate the fruit is that they were already like God. He fed them a fib. He just tricked them. The image you're chasing is right here. Just do what he said not to do. Take something that's not yours. Go after an image that doesn't belong to you, and you will be everything you want to be. It's a trick. He's saying bite into it so you can be better. Bite into the fruit so you can be good. Bite into the fruit so you can have purpose. Do what they did so you can live like that. Do what they did so you can act, you can dress like that. Do what they did. Or go buy clothes like them even though you can't afford those clothes. So you're hurting yourself just so that you can look like somebody else that you see. Young people do that all the time. They blow money on sneakers they have no business paying for. I'll leave it alone. Bite into it so you can be happy. Bite into it so you can find your soulmate. His trick is to get you to bite into something that don't belong to you. There is a shadow to run to, though. There is a shadow to run to, Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. His shadow, his identity, that is what you have. You have his image, his likeness, which means likeness means you have his functionality. That's why when you prophesy a word, that is not uh, a psychic. When you prophesy, you're not, being, you're not telling the future for somebody. What you're doing is you're getting the future to align with what your life needs. You're speaking the word of God out into your future, and you're telling future, get in line with what God already said. So you carry his shadow. When you get under the shadow of the Almighty, you carry his identity. You have his identification card. You get his security pass. 
which means you get access to things that you don't have you don't have access to when you start walking in the shadow of the Almighty, God will grant you access to things you never thought were possible for you. I'm prophesying to somebody in this room, you've had dreams, you know God spoke to you, you know God gave it to you, and you've been listening to people for too long, you've been walking in the shadow too long. I came to encourage you, keep walking through, because God's about to give you access to something you only dreamed about. Access. Last thing I'll say concerning what threatens security is this. Just because you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, that does not mean that you've left the path of righteousness. The second thing that threatens security is fear. It's fear. Um, insecurity is driven by fear. Security is driven by faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We know that. So when we hear the word, it builds faith. Faith is not a belief system. Faith needs belief, but it is not belief. You can believe that chair can hold you up all day long, but until you sit in it, you have no faith. Amen? Fear and faith both have their own language. Insecurity can run through a company or congregation like a hot knife through butter if the language of a few turn from trust to fear. In the same way, security is established in the core of a company or the core of a congregation when the language is changed from fear to faith. So language of insecurity, gossip, suspicion, doubt, Skepticism, slander, dishonor, dislike, selfishness, etc. Language of security, safety, respect, protection, belief, success, health, growth, love, positivity, etc. Insecurity is driven by fear. Security is driven by faith. Over 60% of people in America deal with anxiety on a regular basis. One-third of adolescents have been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. One in three kids, teenagers, have been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Those are only the ones that saw a doctor. Depression is the leading cause of disability in the United States, ages 15 to 44. 210.5 billion in lost earnings per year have been attributed to depression. Wow. Two-thirds of people that have depression don't get treated or don't see any way out of their depression. Suicide is the result of depression and is the second leading cause of death in America. Depression is second to stress in the workplace when it comes to issues in America, in the American workplace. Stress among all Americans has increased exponentially in the last year and a half. Excess weight gain, increased drinking, and substance abuse has skyrocketed. Fear's habitation is your mind. I read all those statistics to let us know we're all in the same boat, honey. And it's a trick. It's a trick. It's a trick. It's a trick. The devil is a liar. It's a trick. It's fake. It's fake. That's all fear is, is fake. fake. Fear is an illusion. 
Fear ain't real. Fear is a spirit, and God didn't give us that spirit. How do we know that? Because the apostle Paul encouraged his son Timothy. God didn't give you the spirit of fear. That is a spirit. That is a spirit. It is a spirit that is tormenting you. It is a spirit that's trying to trick you out of the things God has for you. It's a spirit. You don't have to deal with that. You don't have to have depression. You don't have to have anxiety. You don't have to commit suicide. You don't have to call it quits. You don't have to live like that. It's a spirit. I will fear no evil. He didn't say evil wasn't there. He just said he wasn't going to be scared of it. I ain't going to be scared of it. Why? Because thou art with me. It's a trick. It's a trick. Stop being so scared. Stop being so scared. Stop being so scared. Stop it. Fear not, for I am with you. God says it all throughout Scripture nonstop. Fear not, for I am with you. He is with you. He is with you. Say it. He is with me. Say it again. He is with me. He is with me. Say it with conviction. He is with me. He is with me. Say it till you believe it. He is with me. Say it till your neighbor believes it. He is with me. He is with me. God is right here. He is with me. You have nothing to be scared of. You have nothing to be scared of. The reason you're scared is because it's a little dark. But don't worry. Just keep walking. He's with you. He's a light when it is dark. He is with you. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. So they ate the fruit. They got tricked. And they hid. And God asks them a simple question. Where are you? Where are you? It wasn't that he didn't know where they were. But they hid. Why? Because they were afraid. Whenever you chase those images, fear is going to creep in your life. It's going to keep you insecure. Who I am isn't enough. Who I am won't cut it. Who God made me to be isn't enough. I'm not like them. I need to cover this up. I need to hide who I really am. This is insecurity. Where are you? You. Where are you? Where's the man I created? Where's the woman I made? Why do you, why do you have all that mess hiding who you really are? Go back to believing what God said about you. You are a child of God. You belong to him. He owns you. He is the one that breathed breath into your lungs and gave you life. It is his, He is the one that did it. He said you are the head and not the tail. He said you are above only and not beneath. He said you are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the field. You are blessed when you come. You are blessed when you go. He said he is with you. Fear not. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Let's declare this. Because he is with me, I have security. Last point, and we're out of here. What makes us secure? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 
He is with me. He is with me. He is with me. He is with me. Jesus is God with us personify. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. The atmosphere or the product of God with us is miracles. The atmosphere or the product of God with us is faith. Because wherever Jesus went, there was faith there. This faith, your faith has made you whole. And everywhere Jesus went, there were miracles. Last week, Pastor Rick talked to us about miracles. He talked to us about the first one that happened. And the first sets the pattern, right? So the first gives us the reason God does miracles. He didn't turn the water into wine, and that was the purpose of the miracle. That was the miracle that happened. The purpose of the miracle wasn't just so everybody could keep getting drunk. That wasn't the purpose. The purpose was so that it would manifest his glory and cause his disciples to believe. The challenge we have in this society, in this generation, in churches across the, whole, the body of Christ at large is we've stopped believing. We talk a big game, but we really stopped believing. And, we need, and we're missing all the miracles that Jesus is actually doing in our life. What is a miracle? What is a miracle? What is a miracle? A miracle is when God violates his principle. A miracle is when God violates his principle. He's the only one that can violate a principle. What are you talking about, Josh? Principles work for you or against you every day of your life. What that means is when, uh, here's a good example. The law of gravity, that's a law, also a principle. What goes up must come down. What goes up must come down. So if you throw up this speaker in the air and stand under it and it hits you, that's because you violated the principle. It's working against you. Because what goes up is going to come down. You should have known that. That's God's principle. That's not God's punishment. That's not God's condemnation. That's not God disqualifying you. That's you allowing a principle to work against you. Because what goes up must come down. So if I throw the speaker up and I stand under it, the principle's working against me. You see that? A miracle is when God violates his principle. So in that example, if I threw the speaker up and it just suspended in air, we'd be freaking out. Everybody's phone would be videoing immediately. Aliens are here. When God violates a principle, here's what I know. The end of this passage says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I know I needed some mercy yesterday because some of the things I did yesterday demanded a consequence Today, but mercy stepped in and canceled it and violated the principle. God did a miracle in my life, and we don't freak out and jump up and down and go crazy because we are we feel entitled to the mercy. Jesus 
God with us, the atmosphere that God puts us in is an atmosphere of miracles. And what, what, the, what we learned last week is real simple, that God will turn whatever he has to turn in your life to get you to believe again. He'll turn anything he needs to in your life. So what does that mean and how does that relate to this morning? He might even walk you through the valley of the shadow of death. And if the shadow of death is what you're walking through, then that means death might be close. But let me encourage you, it ain't real. It's just the image. It's just the image. Jesus is the personification. Fear not, for I am with thee. Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm. I encourage you to go home. I was going to read it all, but for the sake of time, we won't. It's a long psalm, and it's beautiful the way David writes it. Because he talks about how God predestined him. And how God has him. And no matter what he does, he can't get away from God. God is with me. I can make my bed in hell. And you're right there with me. You're right there with me. Before I was formed, before any of my days came to be, you wrote them down in your book. You're with me. And David is professing how much God is with him and, and how he created him in, in, his, in his inmost being. And he, and he formed him and fabricated him in the womb. And, and, and as I'm reading this and, and I see David say the very last line, which is when I awake, uh, I am with you. And I see that line and it encourages me to know that God decided to stick with me after being with me. He decided to stay with me even though he spent time with me because I know there's some times that I wouldn't have stayed with me. I know there's some times I would have been ashamed to be with Josh Reyes. I know there are some times in my life where I wasn't living up to what I know I can live up to. And God stuck right with me. And it encourages me to know that God is with me. God is with you. God is with you. There's nothing you can do that can separate you from the love of God. Read Romans chapter 8. There's nothing you can do that can separate you from God with us. God with us. God with us. He is with me. He's got too much invested in you to lose you. He's got too much invested in you to lose you. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, before I formed you, before I formed you, before that, before your mama and daddy even winked at each other, I knew you. What does that mean? Because God is eternal. He's not subject to time. Time is the capsule God inserted into eternity to accomplish his will. That's what time is. Time is God's tool. It is not, he's not subject to time. He's not subject to that. So whatever you're going through right now, he already sees the good you down the road. Why? Because he is with you. He's been with you from the very beginning. So why am I secure? Because he is with me. I won't even talk to you about the Lord is. We'll talk about that on Wednesday. The Lord is. He is. He is a very present help in time of trouble. He is. He is with me. And if he is with me, that's the same thing as I am that I am. Whatever I need, he is. We won't even talk about that. We won't even talk about that. But he is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. 
And this is why I feel secure. Because he is my shepherd. He's got too much invested in me. He knew me before time began. Me and him came to an agreement that I would live out this purpose in life that I'm living. So all the mess I'm going through ain't for no reason. It ain't for no reason. It ain't for no reason. I'm walking through it. I'm not going to dwell up in it. I'm not going to stay in it. I'm walking through it. He's got too much invested in me. He's got more invested in his purpose than he does just your person. Everything ain't about you. He is my shepherd. And that's why his rod and his staff, they comfort me. I don't know who in here was raised like this, but I was raised in a Baptist church. And I was taught that that rod meant I was getting a whooping. If I read about the rod in Scripture, that was God about to whip me. That's how I learned it. So all throughout Scripture, anytime I saw the rod in a text that a preacher was preaching from, I'd be like, man, we're about to get beat up today. Because his rod, and they try to tell us that that comforts us because that makes us into who we should be by him punishing us. But I had a little bit of a revelation today about that. Because there are four things that a shepherd does. Let's see if I can remember them without going to my notes. Because we need to close here. Four things a shepherd does. Number one, a shepherd tends to his flock. Tends to a flock. What that simply means is he gives the flock direction. He gives the flock direction. Um, What else does the shepherd do? The shepherd feeds his flock. Shepherd provides everything that sheep needs or those sheep need. Right? right. To survive. Right? The next thing the shepherd does is he herds the flock. What does that mean? He keeps the family together. Keeps everybody together. That's what the shepherd does. And the last thing a shepherd does is he guards his flock. I will fear no evil because you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When I see that staff, I know right where I'm going. I might be walking through this shadow, but as long as I can see that staff, I know exactly where I need to go. As long as I can see that staff, I know I can hear his voice because I know my shepherd's voice. And when he speaks, I can hear it. And I know exactly where to go as long as I can see that staff. Oh, but I'm so thankful he has a rod in his hand. I'm so thankful for it. Oh, he needs the rod. That rod was a stick that had a blunt end at the end of it. It was solid. It was used as a weapon. And it wasn't used to beat the sheep. It was used to beat off any danger that came to try to mess with them sheep. Any lion that came, he had a rod for it. Any bear that came, he had a a rod for it. Any thief that tried to come up in the fly, he had a rod for that thief. So when I see my shepherd holding that rod, it comforts me to know that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It makes me secure to know that he is with me. His rod, his staff, they comfort me because I know where I'm going and ain't no devil in hell going to mess with me. I need somebody to give God praise. I need somebody to give God praise. 
I need somebody to give God praise. You've been dealing with insecurity. You've been dealing with depression. You've been dealing with anxiety. You've been dealing with loss. I came by to tell you, He is with you. He is with you. He is with you. He is with you. Say it. He is with me. Woo! I thank God He is with me because I need Him. Lord knows I need Him because I'll take a misstep real fast. I'll take a misstep real fast. And he may tap me with the rod, but that's just to get my feet back on the steps that he ordered for me. And I'm going to keep it walking. I'm going to keep it walking. Everybody stand. Hallelujah. I'm worried about the time. But I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to know you can keep going. Somebody needs to know you don't have to quit. Somebody needs to know your shepherd is with you. What that means is he's for you. He's not against you. And no matter what you're facing, he's right there. Don't let the threat of the thing make you do something that creates, turns the threat into a reality. Fear is fake. It's in your mind. It does not exist. We act on fear and produce what we're scared of. Stop acting on fear. Walk forward in faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. As the praise team just begins to worship, I want you to lift your hands. If you want prayer, you're welcome to come to this altar. This word